They should some good names in the Bible, like Mahesh Shalal Hashbaz. That's that, that's due a comeback. <laughs> so, that's, uh, that means slowly, slowly the pot the, the pot is stirred or something. That. <laughs> that was for free. That's nothing to do with the sermon. It could be. It's exciting. Isn't it? It's a new stage of where we are in the church, and and I think um, I've been coming to Harlow for, for ever since the Dead Sea wasn't feeling well. <laughs> so it's, it's been a long time, and I remember the old building here, the hut and everything else, the building for this, and Robert Robb, and Billy and I were at college with Robert Robb, we going way back then, and then to see David come on, it's a great heritage here, and uh, you know, I want to pay tribute really to David and Carol, the work they've done, bringing the church into to here, and bless you, thank you so much, and um, also to Colin and the elders, the team here looked after things in between. I've never really worried about this church because I knew you were all here. So thank them very much. Thank them for looking after things. That's, that's great to do. So now, um, traditionally we don't preach very long at um, induction services, but this isn't a traditional church, is it? <laughs> you might be a bit more cutting edge, don't you really? But... but uh, I'm going to read to you from, from Joshua chapter 1. I know I, am, I won't speak long, but I just, uh, we, we love the Word of God, and this is where it all hits on this. And here it is from um, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So he used to be Billy's assistant. Billy looks like Moses, really. <laughs> If Moses had had a shave, that's what he'd have looked like. <laughs> and he's saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the, to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your, ter- your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. Great scripture. I think almost like, I'm all right with this, I'm, I'm banging, I don't know what it is, my heart beats very loud. <laughs> well, that might be what it is, but <clears throat> it just, this is like a prophetic thing, but when, when God's saying to, there's a changeover of leadership, there's something new happening, there's not a changeover of vision, there's not a changeover of destination, but there's change, but there's, it's like a prophetic thing saying, there's land to be taken here. Just remind you, the purpose for this is that we might take the land, that we might bring the people into all that, all that they've got. And it's like, um, when you read it, it says, every, 
every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you. And it's like, you don't have to have A-level English to know that what, what, we, we will tread, but he has given. And there was God's bits already done. And so we, we don't wait for him to do things. There's, there's lots of differences between God and me. <clears throat> but one of the big ones is that, that, that when he says something, he does it. And so it's a bit like, you know, uh, my wife has said to me, do such, I've learned through the years, that ladies don't listen to this, I've learned through the years, if my wife's looking around the room, I'll say, you know, when I get a chance, I'm going to paint this room, because I know what she's going to say. <laughs> because then it's not on her agenda, it's on mine. I just said, oh, I'll do it when I'm ready. Five. I mean, it's like somebody said, you know, just because your husband says he's going to do something, you don't have to keep reminding him every six months, do you? <laughs> So often I say, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And I fully intend to do it. I, I say, yes. And then I've got good friends with Dave Redbone said, did you do such and such? I said, no, I didn't. Oh, dear. dear. And I really meant to. I mean, it's not like I, I didn't intentionally not do it. I just forgot to do it. And then the things which you say, well, yeah, I'll do that. And if you come around and do it, I, said, I don't want to do it. I, said, I mean, she caught me a wee moment when March of the Day was on, and I would agree to anything if she just leave the room. I was thinking... <laughs> Yeah, I, I will do it. So I, 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 don't just, I want to keep my word, but it's almost like, 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 like I, have to, I have to remember, then I have to do it, then I have to get all the resources to do it. But the Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning the earth was the form and void, and then God said, let there be light. And what? There was light. So God says it, and it happens. His words are his actions. So he doesn't have to say, yeah, I, I, I remember to do that, and say, God, you forgot. He doesn't. Because he sends forth his word and it accomplishes it. So that if God has spoken to you and you're saying he's not done it yet, oh yes he has. Because his word, his word is creative. It's just, we're still to encounter it in our sort of three-dimensional time world. So he said, we're going to do that. And I want you to be delighted. I don't know how big your feet are. But you do need big feet for this job. Because what, what God says, every place the sole of your foot treads, you can have. So I'd get bigger shoes if I were you. <laughs> because we have to actually have a vision that's big. We actually have to say, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the land. I want, I, I, I want a vision for it. And beginning to, as a changeover comes over, starting doing new things, it's time to enlarge your footprint. It's a bit like a house, you know, a footprint of a house. Is, uh, is the, uh, the borders of their possession of the land. The footprint of this church is, is how far does your uh, influence extend? How far is the authority and the influence of the church? You need big feet. You need, you need to make big, a big footprint here in Harlow, in Essex. We need to be people who, who, who make a difference that cannot be ignored because we're, we're bringing up the name of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I found... It's easy being a Christian at the moment because the Queen was so good. I mean, it's, it's, I can't believe it. It's just, you know, a week since the funeral. But, but I used to say the Queen was my favorite tele-evangelist because every Christmas she came on and towards the end of her life, every year she was more and more upfront about Jesus. And one of the greatest quotes I heard that she said was, was that she wanted to be alive when Jesus comes back. 
And she believed in the physical return of Jesus. Our queen believed in, in Jesus coming back. And she said, I think it was the Archbishop of Canterbury she said it to, and she, she said, I want to be alive when Jesus comes back so I can lay my crown at his feet. I tell you, we are in a place in our nation where we would say, Father, let that openness to God. There's an opportunity right now for us to go out with the gospel and not be ashamed. Sometimes Christians, we thought the whole, everybody didn't care, they don't want to listen, but the, the land is open to us now. You can go on where you put your foot, we can begin to claim it and begin to leave something's good. One of the, uh, it's not easy following somebody's good. No, just don't listen to this bit, David. But uh, well, that one David, not all these other Davids. <laughs> it's a bit complicated. Isn't it? David one, David two. <laughs> it's always difficult when you follow a pastor who everybody loved. If you follow someone everybody didn't like, then it's quite easy. <laughs> really, really, we don't have many of those. But <laughs> but can you imagine? Can you imagine trying to sort of fill Moses' shoes? Can you imagine sort of saying, yeah, I've got a new church for you. It's, uh, yeah, you're going to take one from Billy Graham. Is that all right? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and Moses, he does all these miracles, he does all these sort of things, and yet, and yet God's saying, no, actually, it's a new day now. This is your day. This is your turn. It didn't rubbish the past, he builds on it. He says, this is something we have to learn, it's for you. But it is a new day in the other sense, in which, which is, I don't know how it works. But I don't know how God spoke to Joshua and said, I want to speak to you. I'm not sure how he did that. I'm not sure if he, an angel came or he felt an impression or a voice from heaven. But I imagine he, he'd, he'd been, for 40 years, he'd been the assistant pastor. I mean, that's a long time to be an assistant pastor. Elam, they don't let people stay assistants. What happens to, what happens to 65-year-old youth leaders? I don't know what you do with those. <laughs> after, I mean, it must come a point when somebody has to move on a little bit. But some, something has to has to happen and, and he, he would have seen Moses go and, 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 and they get so far and, and Moses would say uh, you've got to stay here Josh I'm going up and going to see God face to face do you stay here huh. <laughs> so I can come to your life but God says he'll kill you I'll stay I'll... <laughs> cheers I'm fine and they come back his face is shining with glory and everything the ten commandments twice and stuff as you're thinking all oh, that it's just and then it's his turn it's his turn to go. And he's thinking, I wonder what his wife, I don't know if his wife's in with my wife, he's making sure, you know, everything matches and stuff like that. And I used to have three women in my house. It's like, like getting inspected by three different people before you're allowed, allowed out. Where, where are you going? Where, I'm going out. Where not? I was thinking, no, I'm not going naked. You know, it's not, I'm wearing my clothes and so you can't, you can't wear that with that and that with that. <sighs> So probably took, that's probably why God says to Aaron, this is what you're to wear. It'll save you arguing with your wife every day. <laughs> this, is what, this is what you'll have to do. Maybe that's what he did. I don't know, really. It's, it's, that might have been the way it went. And he said, you come and see me face to face. And I'm sure he, he, he made sure ceremonially he did everything right. If he had any secret sins in his life, trust me, it was confessed, repented of, and dealt with. Just imagine I said to you, God's going to meet you face to face at 10 o'clock tonight in your house. You'd do one of two things. You'd either repent of every sin or you wouldn't go home. <laughs> but he's, he knows he's going to see God face to face and he's got his life all right and everything. So I wonder what God will say. Or should I be taking a couple of tablets of stone just in case? Because, I mean, Moses broke them once and so maybe these are the, no, but he doesn't. 
It's a, and, and what God says to him is, Moses is dead. Is that it? Maybe brought me all the way to this mountain. Is this what you used to talk about? Everybody knows Moses is dead. I mean, it's not like, even without, without social media, everybody knows he's dead. They've gone looking for his body. I'm trying to stop them, but they've all gone looking for his He's dead. That's not news, but actually it is. Someone say, it's your turn now. It's not how, thank goodness, Moses is gone now, but he can really get going. They're saying, it's your turn. It's your turn to take seriously the call of God in your life. It's your turn to lead the people into what's happening next. You're going to have to leave behind all the inadequacies, all the sort of uh, the weaknesses of the past, all the sins, everything that, that doesn't help, you have to let it go. The Romans had a, had a dreadful punishment sometimes for people who committed murder. And what, the, what they do, they, they catch you, and say if someone tall at me, they would take a dead body and they would put you in the prison and they strap a dead body to your back. And you just sit in the prison. And at first, I guess it's not too, well, it's not nice, but it's not, it's not that bad, really. But soon, the body starts decaying and poisons and toxins come out of it. And then the toxins from that body comes into my body. And I die a horrible death. And you might think carrying dead issues around doesn't affect you, but trust me, they do. They sort of ooze into your pores and they make you bad. Now's the time to, to let go of those. Realize what's dead is dead. Let it go. Some of the, the failures, not just you, all of us. It's like, there's some people still here. You still, oh, I wish I'd only got better O levels or I've got a better job and I wouldn't be doing this. It's too late. Let go of it. Let go of it. It's stopping you. It's killing you. That unforgiveness towards those people in your life, let go of it. Don't drag dead issues around with you. Look into the new things that God has got for you. Don't, don't let it hold you back. Leave dead issues behind. One of the things that I like about that, this story, and I'm not going to be here a long time, trust me, but it's, it's one of the few times when the second generation is more radical than the first. And one time, sometimes you think, you know, um, those who, who, who fight to win something in the church, they, they fight for it. The second sort of look after it, and the third don't maintain it at all. And that happens with people who make money. Somebody makes money, their children get it, and their grandchildren waste it. So, <laughs> so it's happening in our house. <laughs> I mean, I haven't got much, but can you see it go down the generation? Does. I thought when my children left home, my bank balance would be safe, and then come six grandchildren. You think, <sighs> because they don't know the value of what they've got. Here, it's almost to me an encouragement, an example that the next generation, we can be more radical than the generation went before us. We are not on an inevitable decline of actually enthusiasm goes. No, no. I'm going to be the Joshua generation. I'm going to be one that says, hey, let's really go for this. Let's do more than our generation before. I find it interesting that um, three times the Lord says to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Can you imagine if, if Ran and I are walking along the road and sort of a, just sort of, and I stop and say, Ran, don't be afraid. I wasn't afraid. All right. Walk along another car and say, be strong, courageous, don't be, don't be afraid. Well, I wasn't scared. After the third time, he's going, Why, what's going to happen? What do you know that I don't know? Do you ever think, when you read the Bible, you think, third time, he must be saying, Why are you saying this, God? You're scaring me. You're scaring me. Because he said, I'll tell you why. Because this is going to be hard work, Joshua. 
You're going to have to be strong and courageous, but I'll be with you. You've got to realize this, this is really hard work. Churches don't seldom grow by just some sovereign act and thousands of people can walk in the door. It didn't work that way. It works by people praying, being faithful, studying the word, sharing the gospel, reaching out to people that everybody else has ignored, and, and being Jesus in our community, being salt and light. It just takes hard work. It takes hard work. And most of this is just going to be hard work. But if you're faithful, then he'll be faithful to you too. He'll do the only he can do. He'll, he'll, he'll do that. That's why um, he's raising that army of warriors coming. Because he says, he says it three times to him. He says, number one, uh, be strong, courageous, because I, I, I swore this to your forefathers. He says, number one, you can have confidence because I keep my promise. He says, hold on to my promises. And, and his promise, God's made promises over this church. I've heard some of the prophetic words over this church. I've heard the prophet, And he, like we said, his words are his actions. So he's not just said, I hope this, I'm hoping this will happen. If God spoke it, he's already put things in motion for it to come about. We have to make sure now that the conditions which governed those, that we fulfill them. There's no conditions on his side. He unconditionally does what he's going to say. But sometimes there's a condition on our receiving it, and we've got to do it. He said, you get hold of my promise. Know what I've said. Lord, when's the... Because although God has a great sense of fun, he didn't play games with us. He doesn't just tell these things to make us feel better. You know, oh, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. He, didn't, he didn't do that. So what God said to you as a family, what he said to you as a church, what he said of this area, he's going to bring it about. You have to hold on to that. And he says, take hold of my word. He says, take, take, take hold because these principles really, really work. He, say, he says, be strong, courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. He said, listen, this works. Take hold of my word. That, that's, there is no substitute for this. There's, there's, no, there's no Bible Mark two. This is it. Can I, can I tell you, this is nothing to do with the sermon, but I just I have a little fear that sometimes the reading of the Bible has gone out of fashion. And you've got it on your phone. I've, I've got the Bible on my phone. I'm like, goodness me, how are you supposed to read that? I don't, I don't know how Moses read the Bible, that size print. He's just, but we have to, the Word of God should be hidden in your heart. And, and that's not to make you feel guilty about it, it's to say it's really good. When you're in a situation, you're worried, and the, and the Lord, the Bible says he'll bring to your remembrance. But if you've never read it, he can't bring it to your remembrance. That's called revelation, not memory. And his revelation was he wrote it down. So we have to get hold of his promises, get hold of his word. And then the, the, the last time he, he, he says it to them, is verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. In other words, he says, listen, get hold of my promises, get hold of my word, and then just get hold of me. Just you get a hold of God. And this church is to be a reflection of who Jesus is. And there's ways of holding things and ways of holding things, aren't they? I think the um, practice of shaking hands with people as they go out of church has got less and less. But I do remember ever so often you get someone who'd been working out at the gym and just wanted to prove it to you by breaking your fingers on the way out and go, hello, Pastor. Oh. 
get you next week. And it's sort of, I wasn't ready for that. You know, <laughs> that, that, that struck. And so there's ways of getting hold. And I, I remember when I was a young Christian, we had, um, we had loads of lads off the street saved and stuff, and some, some big gang members. And the pastor one Sunday night said, um, we need to move uh, a gas cooker out. It's disconnected. You'll take it out, stuck in the corner. Caretaker wants to move it. Some of your lads go. So, yeah, we'll do it. But it was all sort of, like, it was really he- heavy and difficult to get at it. And they go, no, I can't, I can't. I can't get a hold of it. My hands are getting dirty. And I'm not very good. And then this man called Jim Kincaid, who was just a few years older than me, but he was built as, like, two houses put together. You know, was, <laughs> he wasn't, but some people are built like a house. He was built like two houses. He was two semis pushed together. And he sort of, he says, oh, let me out of it. <laughs> certainly, certainly. And he, he, just, he just bent down like that. Right, and on his shoulder, and said, "Where do you want it, Pastor?" <laughs> We're going anywhere you like. <laughs> whoa, whoa! Don't give it. But he really knew how to get hold of something. And when God's telling us to get hold, He means a Jim Kincaid hold of something. Not somebody who sort of shakes hands. It's just somebody who's really. We need to make sure we. I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus, and there's no turning back. I'm, I'm going to do it in a way. If you're going to be a Christian, you might as well be a good one. If you're going to go for to follow Jesus, you might as well do it with your whole heart. Yeah. You might as well. If you're going to do it, I, I was brought up, if a thing's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And I'm going to do it well. I'm going to do it well. So get hold of his promise. Get hold of his word. Now, Joshua, just get hold, hold of me. I need to pull it together because I'm enjoying myself too much. <laughs> and I've lost my notes. It doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't really matter. Because God will use us, and I keep using this phrase, I've got this sentence in my brain, because somehow God, God will use you. And use, he doesn't need us. He really doesn't need us to do anything. If he didn't, he could do anything like without us. But somehow this almighty God can use incompetent people like me who do things in an incompetent way and still bring about his perfect will. Amen. That is an amazing God. And he will do that. If we just do our best, that he will improve it beyond what we ever believed. So here we are now to induct you into an Elam church. One of my little sayings, obviously, Dan, we're going to give you an Elam Pentecostal church. When you go, we want an Elam Pentecostal church back. We're going to be a church that's, hey, one of those is an Elam Pentecostal church. It's a church that loves the Holy Spirit and loves the Word of God. But sometimes I say also to the congregation, I know this church a long time, and you, Rob and Sue, Rob, since Bible College, met them in 1975. <clears throat> and I've known her since. He came here, put his whole life into it. I love and honor David and thing. I think, so I thought to myself, we must get them the best pastor in, in the world to come to Harlow. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, it's all right, but... And, and, and Rana and Becky, you know, they, you're lovely too. And I thought, there's a lovely couple. They deserve the best church in the world. So I'm sorry about that as well. <laughs> Did you see what I'm trying to say? We're not perfect. Pastor didn't come thinking his church is perfect because he'd be disappointed. And then there was the church thinking, well, the pastor's going to be perfect either. Actually, what we've got is two imperfect people coming together to worship the perfect God, to bring about his perfect will. Amen. And, 
So we need to give one another a little bit of space, a little of understanding. I know that, for example, we, we will come later on and we'll talk about there's only, this is the word, the Bible says there's only, in my opinion, there's only two seasons you should preach the gospel. When you feel like it. And when you don't feel like it. Because we have no choice. This is the best news in the world. We cannot keep it to ourselves. And Elam, I, my granny got saved under George Jeffries in the 1920s. So, so we've been in Elam 100 years, our family. But, but our message hasn't changed. It's interesting with a Pentecostal denomination. But do you know what we, our, our official posh name is for Elam? It's the Elam Foursquare Gospel Alliance. The four square stands for about Jesus the Savior, Jesus the healer, Jesus the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus the coming King. This Pentecostal domination is all about proclaiming Jesus. And we love the Holy Spirit. We love the movement of the Holy Spirit. But he's the one who, who anoints us to talk about Jesus. And Jesus brings us to the Father. And so we've got the, the Trinity working together there. We believe Jesus is the Savior. There's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. That's what the Bible says. I don't know if you ever talk to people and say, oh, I think by being good, you know. So how good do you think you'd need to be then? Oh, very good. Oh, like just very good. Oh, well, very, 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 very good. Extremely good. Do you want anybody like that? No, but that's not going to work then, is it? If it's by being good, that's, we're, we're in trouble. If, I, if there's any other way of doing it. If God is almighty and knows everything, why on earth would he send his son to die naked on a cross if there's another way for people to get to heaven? Why would he do that? Why would he do that? The very fact Jesus came in the first place and when Adam breathed his first breath in the Garden of Eden, the father knew his son was going to breathe his last breath on a cross. But he still let it happen. Why? Because his love is just, just without measure towards us. We believe Jesus is the Savior. We believe in Pentecostal churches, there's no other way to heaven except Jesus. And we're unapologetic about that. Not because we think we're right, it's because he said so. This is not our idea, it's not our gospel, it's his gospel. Jesus is the Savior. We believe Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We're unashamedly Pentecostal. We love the Holy Spirit. We're not apologizing for the... Sometimes people say, you know, if we can just keep it, but we're having an outreach, if we can just, you know, try and ask the Holy Spirit to take the night off because it might do something a bit strange. I think, hey, I've got an idea that God's more into the gospel than we are. And the day of Pentecost is a very strange way in which he starts the church off by having people speaking in tongues, which was not even in the Bible because it didn't have the Bible. It's not mentioned. I can't find anything in the Old Testament that I could call speaking in tongues. Why they're doing that? Fire on heads, I think I can get a bit about that. I can get rushing mighty winds and a bit about that. But, but actually, it was the move of the Holy Spirit. And we are unashamed. We, 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 we need his power because he brings us his presence. So we're four square. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the baptized Holy Spirit. We believe Jesus is the healer. We believe in miracles today. I believe in him. I mean, how many people could say you've ever been healed in your body by Jesus? Just have a look around and just see, this works. it works for small things and it works for big things. I've been healed of small things and I've been healed of big things. I, was healed of, I came through from cancer and I just think, you know, God, God can heal you. Other people go to heaven. So I'm not saying God heals everybody. I wish it was so. I don't have the secret answer to that. But I do know that we are unashamed to say that our God, when you preach the word of God, there can be signs following the preaching of the word. So he's our saviour, he's our healer, he's baptized, and he's the soon coming king. 
And just as the Queen believed Jesus is coming back, I tell you, Neelam, we believe Jesus is coming back. And one day we will see him face to face. But when I was, when I was young, pastors used to preach the second coming most months. And in fact, if I'd, I don't have time to tell you the stories, but, but there, there's a story about when Jesus comes back, there'll be a trumpet. The trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and something like that. And when my twin brother and I were sort of 11, 12, we weren't really, you know, you're sort of brought up in church, but you sort of believe it, you don't. You go mainly for this sort of social aspect of it. And I can remember one Saturday morning, lying in bed. It must have been school holidays, because usually I was up early playing football. And this Sunday morning, the rag and bone man was outside. I don't know what rag and bone, they come and they have a trumpet. And this guy blew this bugle outside our house. And woke me up. I remember waking up thinking, what's that? What's that? Jesus has come back. Jesus has come back. And I looked across, my twin brother was still there, and I thought, but that's no comfort to anybody. Because if Jesus comes back, if I've not gone, he's not gone here. I thought, oh no. No, Jesus has come. Because every week we go, you sort of, the trump shall sound, you'll be left behind. I wish we'd all been ready. All that was filmed. Oh no, oh no. And I thought, where's my mother? My mother, if Jesus come back, my, my mother would, if she's here, it's not happening. Ran downstairs, she wasn't there. <laughs> I mean, I was brought up in a, in a, a council house. It only had one room downstairs. She couldn't be hiding in the coal cupboard or anything. I, where's my mom? I think, oh no. And then I looked out the back garden, she's hanging out the washer. I thought, oh, thank you. <laughs> Jesus has not come back yet. <laughs> it's almost like because people kept saying that he's going to come back by such and such a day, by such a day, almost some preachers got embarrassed preaching about the second coming of Jesus because it just seemed like only the wide-eyed fanatics did it. Can I just say something to you? Don't, don't throw me out until I finish, but I don't think Jesus has come back tonight. I really don't. I don't think Jesus will come back this week. I don't even think Jesus will come back before Christmas. In fact, I don't think he'll come back in the next couple of years. And neither do you. I'll tell you why you don't think Jesus is coming back. You get food in your freezer. <laughs> do you know when the Bible says Jesus will come back? It says he'll come back just at a time when you think not. Well, I think not. That means he could come back. Jesus could come back tonight. It could come back tonight. It could come back before Christmas. <laughs> and we believe in the physical soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a church, we must live as if Jesus was coming back right away and plan as if we've got a thousand years. We have to do both. We have to do both. We don't just stop doing things. And like that. Don't go to the doctor because Jesus is coming back. Don't be silly. Don't buy a pension because Jesus will come back. Don't. don't. You, you, you live short accounts with God it's if Jesus can back at any moment but you plan for the future for your children, your grandchildren way into the, uh, the years ahead because that's what it means to be an Elam Pentecostal church Jesus the saviour, healer, baptizer and coming king and that's what we've come to induct you in as the pastor of, of this church and I want to charge you and say to you we, we, we want you to preach the word going to be like Timothy, rightly dividing the word of God. That this, this, this isn't just a, a sermon resource book. This is the word of God that comes to us. And I want to say to church, and, and you're great people here, but please love the pastor. I don't want to come and find this pastor full of sheep bites when I come back. 
Because I know that you're loving people, but we have to see that we're in this together. We have a, our destinies are intertwined. This church will not reach its full potential unless every member reaches their full potential. The pastor cannot become what God's called you to be unless you're with him. And you will never become what God's called you to be unless you honor the people in the church. And, and, and every pastor should have the smell of sheep about them. I have that sort of little phrase. Every pastor should be loved being with people. I've met people who minister say, the problem is I don't really like people. I think, well, that's not going to be very helpful, is it? <laughs> but Jesus sent us out to look after the flock, to love them, care for them, and to preach the word in season and out of season. And that's the bit we're at now. We're coming to the, we're going to pray for you and beg you together. And we're going to pray for God and put you in as a senior pastor, Rana, here in the church. And we're going to ask, how anointed would you like them to be? So, because so, I, I find I'm not that good at, I am, I can do formal occasions, but sometimes formal occasions forget why they were set up. Formal occasions were set up because the glory came down once, and they said we'll do it that way every time. And so we're actually doing this, because, not because it just says, well, that's that done, we had induction services in now, but actually I believe something changes in the heavens when we do something like this. When we begin to sort of say we recognize your ministry, that's why we have an induction service. It's a recognition of your peers that you're called to be here. It's recognition of the church that you're called to be here. It's recognized for us as the church that this is the right man. We don't just send somebody, anybody. We do a lot of praying and thinking about it to bring the right person here at the right time. And that's what we believe we're going to be doing. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to pray together. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up together. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe down here. Rana and Becky can come, and all the pastors who are here, the regional teams, and the Mrs. Pastors can come if they want to come. (laughs) And David and Carl, because we want to pray. Just for, first of all, we're just going to pray, let the anointing come. And the elders and the leaders, the local leaders, please, you come as well, so we can pray for them. We're going to do this. Yeah, just block, block their path so they can't go. That's, that's, I think that's what David meant. But let's begin to pray. Just where you are, just begin to pray quietly and ask the Lord to fill them with the Spirit. Shabababarunda, kabarakarabarunda, sakudarada, sakarada. Do we have a microphone I can pass down? Which one? Thank you. children. Give them a heart for the people of Harlow beyond the confines of Lighthouse. That their shepherd hearts will reach out to people who do not even yet know you with a passion to share the gospel with them.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Rana and Brecky, as you feel the heaviness of the anointing,